WFAE's David Borex has the story. Tariq Bakari and Larkin Eggleston call their podcast R&D in the QC. Eggleston says they hope to reach people who may not pay attention to the council. Eggleston is 35 and a Democrat. Bakari is a 37-year-old Republican. Despite their political differences, they bonded on the campaign trail in part over their beards, says Bakari. The beards themselves are what truly united us in the beginning. They hope to be an example of how to debate productively across the political divide. R&D in the QC, episode 81. We talk election recap, Tarek cancels Halloween, and Charlotte has talent. That is right, my friends. Episode 81 the pod lives to fight another day, Larkin. Season two coming soon. Season two, my sidekick gets a more leading role. Yes? I couldn't possibly have a more leading role than I already have in the in this podcast in terms of talent, uh, and I will still leave all the tech side to you. As much as you know, we're across the aisle from each other, I just see the smile on your face right now that this pod is continuing. Your support, your endorsement. Well, I didn't of me. want someone else to have to learn how to produce a podcast because <laughs> I said R and D in the QC wouldn't wouldn't go on without you. But I we would have just had to call it D and D in the it QC. Would, it would be a lot easier for me to replace you than you to replace me in this setup here. You'd lose all the humor and the production value. I would lose all of the production value without you, um, but I would be irreplaceable. Let's stay very. I feel like like we did two years ago, eighty episodes ago. We're starting off on a new foot. We can be positive. Like, we don't have to have all that negativity that one of our great listeners pointed out to us recently. We're going to be positive, and it's going to be honest this so, time. So one of our um, one of our loyal listeners emailed us just a, a, like an hour ago and said they had a conversation with their wife this morning and said, Honey, I'm just I'm so excited that R&D and the QC is going to continue. Tarek won his election, to which she said, I thought he ran unopposed. The man says, No, that was Larkin. And the wife says, they're basically the same to me. Mm, that's <laughs> so. true. We look the same. One's funny. One's not. Give yourself some credit. Listen, let's before we get into the big topics of the day, namely the election, which was amazing, and everyone is completely happy in this city. And how you have taken uh, holidays and turned them into a city issue. Are we not allowed to cancel things or postpone them? I mean, I, we'll, I don't we'll understand. But first, it let's is, talk about today, something today, very special. Today is Thursday. Thursday. Um Today is Thursday, November 7th, on a week from Saturday, Saturday, nine, November 16th. Nine days from now, is that? Sounds about right, yes. At, I think we've talked about this before, but at the Booth, Booth Playhouse, uh, the Blumenthal Performing Arts Center, uh, we will be participating in Charlotte Has Talent. We can now officially say we have practiced. We had a practice. 30 minutes yesterday. Yes. Thank um, you for watching my children while we did that. Tark's two-year-old is, uh, he's hes a terror. Um he is he is a saint and you know that he is not he <laughs> he had me at wit's end within minutes he do it just like anyone he steps up or down to the the culture and the vibe that is around him and you're just there a big daddy headed screaming man and I he was just not was screaming. screaming back and he forth he was screaming i walked in that house which you got there well, before that, me <laughs> at that at that point a lot had happened. So <laughs> you were like, you, that's the face my wife has every time I come over. It's just pure exasperation. You're like, 
I don't this know how she has. I don't know how she has a shred of sanity left because uh, well, I only experienced an hour of what she must deal with, like ten hours a day. Charlotte has talent. Oh right, yes. So we practiced our song. We're doing, as I mentioned, a parody <laughs> song. I, all I said was a parody song. You have to come and, and check it out some, if you want to see it. Humor too. Um, so that's going to be at seven o'clock on Saturday, November sixteenth. But what do call to need action to do? here? Yeah. So go to lot carolinas.com that's uh least of these carolinas is the organization that this will benefit and so on stage with us in this talent show will be jonathan stewart from the panthers mm. will be sheree berry the elevator lady a couple of down. local weathermen and radio, oh, wait. radio personalities and can um, we do the jokes again sprinkle uh, um and for judges they've got marcus smith they've got emily maynard so it's a, uh some some notable people and us but ours will be the best. It will be the funniest, and you will not have realized it's what not just sort be of level funny. of musical it's, talent we it's had. It's going to be talent. It's going to be a um, talent showcase. So if you want to see it in humor. person, go to lotcarolinas.com. You can but, buy but tickets there. But we need yeah. their help. Uh, your call to action, if you can't attend, or even if you can, is to go to LOT's, lotcarolinas.com, or by the time we put this podcast out, I will have put up a direct link on the R&D and the QC Facebook page and where you can go and donate. All the proceeds are going to benefit this organization that helps children in foster care. Um, but we have been challenged to raise some money, and we've not made a lot of progress yet. So we need the R&D uh, community to go to the link on our Facebook page or go to lotcarolinas.com and, uh, and help us out. In fairness, it's a we were kind of in an election. And now that that's done, we're switching gears to make sure we help. Again, did you, I wasn't listening to you right now. Did you say what this is here to help? Yes. Foster children in our community through least of these Carolinas. And they have these bags, right? We got to see some of the bags because a lot of times these kids um, literally are, are ripped out and placed in a new environment and they have nothing with them. So these bags are like great care packages with everything from the fundamentals they need to like some comfort items and little toys and things like that. And there's such a need for them. So um, if you haven't done anything else, um, if you didn't contribute to either one of our campaigns, you can make amends right now by going there and not making us look stupid so that we have some people contributing to a great cause it's much better than the cause for either one of us in the elections that we just crushed. Larkin, let's move to that topic. I thought we were going to talk about how you cancel holidays now. Or is that still There's so subject? much has happened since uh, episode 80. Which was only 10 days ago, but it feels like a year ago. I mean, I, I got to tell you, I, I really, I really didn't, I, I, I enjoyed thoroughly canceling or postponing um, Halloween, um, but I didn't see the extent of the of the coverage and the buzz that was going to be created out of that. So it started with, um, no, no, I'll explain. You always, Chris you, you always don't remember, you over I, I guarantee you don't remember how I it started. I guarantee you. I, of course I remember how it started. I don't mean your post. I mean, what triggered your post? Yeah. Okay. Triggered. Go for it. I was sitting there and somebody on Twitter said something about postponing. Off to a good start. <laughs> But then, pan, and then I was kind of like, oh, okay, that's interesting, and whatever. And then Panovich said something. All right, you tell it. I don't remember. <laughs> the Trolley Walk Twitter account ah, that was said right. something about maybe with the weather, we should look at encouraging people to do Halloween on a different day. 
they tagged you, me, the mayor, some other people on there. And I replied back and said, that doesn't seem like something I'm qualified to make a decision on. But then I feel like gov- Brad Panovich. Big government Tark steps in. Brad Panovich, <laughs> who is far and away the most followed person in weather uh, in this community on Twitter. I looped him in and I said, let's make him secretary of rain delays. He came back and said, yeah, the weather's looking really bad for, it was supposed to be Thursday, right? Or yeah, Halloween was Thursday. Weather's looking really bad. I'm not just concerned about the rain. There could be thunderstorms, lightning, um, high winds. It really isn't going to be a very safe environment. That's what the anticipation was several days out. It ultimately ended up not being as bad so as So that's thought. where I got... So then you jumped in. Jumped into action there. I, it went from a nice-to-have to crisis manager Tark Bakari, protector of his city, needed to step in and make sure the children were safe. So I proceeded in pinging back and forth and asking for more detail from meteorologist Panovich. And I certainly started to get concerned. I was concerned that not only, um, you know, might, might folks in their own neighborhoods be at risk, but other people who travel to different neighborhoods to trick or treat that are farther away from home might find themselves in a trouble situation. So I stepped into action like any good leader does Larkin. I did it. I asked the question, I didn't do much. I just asked the question social media. And it nearly re- it nearly derailed your campaign. <laughs> I'm surprised, frankly. We'll get to the election recap. But this, if you'd have lost by like 100 <laughs> votes, it would have potentially been because of Halloween game. I have a theory. I believe this is what teetered me over the edge to the tune of hundreds, if not thousands of votes. And you know why? Because the children of Charlotte got not one, not two, but three days of trick-or-treating because of my grand master plan. The the irony was that people were, and we should note that other cities did. They actually did postpone it. And again, it's postponed is, is maybe the wrong word, but they encouraged they encouraged people to have their festivities on a different day. My, my, the, my, there's no there's no circumstance where the city of Charlotte enforces what day a holiday is my mistake and yeah it's it's we're talking about the act of trick-or-treating not necessarily a calendarized (laughs) holiday but where my mistake was in hindsight i i don't feel like i made a mistake because i actually got a lot of good publicity out of it during an election as usual you i moved fast i was multitasking your intent your intent my intent was pure your words might have been uh (laughs) clumsy i am at any point during the day because i think you said like should the city postpone halloween city so the two pieces of feedback i got from people who said should the city encourage people to consider yeah see it's just like you you know where three times a day you ping me it's like it's there not there apostrophe goes after the s not before it's one well, of i mean situations. at 39 or however old you are you should have a mastery of the english language by now two things i could have done differently if i had wanted to which i don't one was <laughs> <laughs> ways i could improve way, but i won't <laughs> ways i could have improved based on other people's view of how this went down one was instead of um what would you think if the city postponed halloween could have been recommended postponing okay there's one and I did say the trick-or-treating portion. The other one was, I learned, uh, instead of capitalizing C in city, I could have done a lowercase c, and that would have been smaller government. So, the punchline is this. I'm not sure anyone who's getting angry on Facebook is going to pick up the nuance of a capital or a, a lowercase c. All I know is this. As, a, as I've been a lifelong champion of smaller government, it was scary for a few minutes there being on the other side of it. I was like, what did... 
I'm, Who am I? I? What happened? What did I do? But anyway, all the kids got three days of it. No one was injured, probably in large part thanks to me. Um, and, um, you know, all the well, kids. the storm and, blew through a lot faster than, than people thought. Yeah. And, and again, but you never know that ahead of time. But it was funny because people were so hell-bent on I mean, so the the image that was going through my head was people so got so mad about the idea that you were trying to postpone Halloween that I was picturing like crying <laughs> kids being dragged through the streets on Thursday in a thunderstorm. You will <laughs> trick or treat. And these parents were like, "I'm going to show this Bakari yeah. guy." The kids are like, "I want to go home." <laughs> no, you will trick or treat. But you know, of course, as adults, we always have our Halloween parties on whatever the nearest Saturday is. So it's not like people are so the question so is beholden this. to call to action having poll. a great day poll of the the r&d and the qc listeners who have been granted a season two by the when grace want, of the th- voting when do you public. want thanksgiving to happen when yeah yeah when <laughs> do you want halloween and would you still like thanksgiving no what if we were to come around here and make a call as a, as a lowercase c city on saying should halloween be on a saturday every year the trick-or-treating portion and all that stuff um, would you want that? I'm only doing this because uh, I, I want the productive debate. I do not plan on getting back into this um, into this firestorm again. Well, what about what you're telling me, um, how in this next term you're going to finally like wage your war on Christmas? You are about, you are saying things that I have never said. You well, no, know. You said, you said now that I've been reelected, I can wage this war on Christmas. Well, And I didn't know what you meant, so I thought maybe you'd want to explain it to the listeners. I meant New Year's. A war on New Year's. Yeah, to your point, you wanted me to skip 2020 <laughs> and go directly yes. to 2021 after a two-year 2019. And you have banned Sunday Fun Day. That was a dumb one. You didn't like that? You and your... See, here's the thing. When you and those guys from uh, Creative Mornings, Charles Creative. Charles Creative, come together, when I'm not involved, it's dumb a lot of times. I think the people disagree. Mm, I don't know, man. I don't know. My tweets about all your uh, all your holiday proclamations uh, were well received. They were. They were. Um, so that's so that. that was that was the. We should have like maybe maybe we could have recurring segments like uh, John Oliver always has the end now this or he's got some recurring jokes. Maybe one of our things could be like dumb news story of the week, and I think that would have been it last week. I do think like here's one thing. Once swearing in happens, we've got between now and swearing in. Uh, the commitment I've made and the commitment I've I've made you make, and you don't know this, I think, is we are going to refresh this program. We're going to have an intro from David Borax that has our accurate ages now. Mm. Um, we found out yeah. that our friend Sam Larkin, Spencer has a 26-year-old a- <laughs> Democrat. <laughs> we found out that our friend Sam Spencer has the world's best 1930s radio. He does. It's amazing. Show vo- uh, host voice. And Can we're you gonna, even try to a- duplicate it? No, I think we just need Hello. to wait and let the people. No, Hello, <laughs> this is Sam Spencer from Radio and Not TV. Not Harry Carey. <laughs> Sam's um, dude. That was an amazing voice. We will. Uh, we will find a way to utilize that. And uh, Tark's going to get back to using subject appropriate musical interludes. It's a big commitment, but I'm willing I mean, to used do to, it. We used to go like that was the when extra we were still mile, excited about things. The extra mile for. Uh, Topical, the other thing is, most of the time I'm at, like right now is the middle of the afternoon. I am normally editing this program after midnight. True. As the last person in the government center, when the lights are off, it's creepy. I'm tired. I just so wanna... I think for tonight, maybe or today's episode, the interlude should be either like Monster Mash or Thriller or something for your Halloween uh, dumb news story of the week. I'm not prepared to start until after swearing in. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. 
That's the first week of December. Join us then for the new and improved season R&D, two. Season two of R and D on the QC. It's bigger. So it's R and D year, and it's nope. QC year. Um. So what our first season will be eighty four episodes. That's a long season. That's a. Lo- I mean, imagine I'm not here next week. Yeah, imagine, and then we'll have two an more NFL meetings. season of eighty four games. Yeah, I mean, it's so our this is harder are longer than, that. than the NBA. Yeah, and it's harder than that. It takes um, more skill. Different, different, different skills. skills. Let's talk about the routing that occurred in the city. I, well, I think the routing you're referring to is that I got 98% of the vote. That is what I'm referring to. And uh, like I want to know. Uh, I'd like to thank the 250 people. So here's a funny, here's a fun story. I love write-ins. Somewhere in the ballpark of 250 people wrote in against me, and, and 2% is about average. Do two we to get 3%. to see the uh, the list of the write-ins? I think if there were a concentration of a certain name that they would actually put it up there. Let's take a peek. Uh, 250. It wouldn't be there now. It would be there like weeks or months. I mean, think about this, but Uh, city of Charlotte district one represents. I want you to think about this. 250 people took the time, not just to press a different button, but then to hand type in a name other than Larkin Eccleston. I'm a huge fan of this. And if, if some of you would like to come on the show, and uh, and let us know. Tell us about your candidate. Some of those names. I would love to. Yeah, know more well, about them. So here's here's what I, again, on average, and if you look back um, to the people who were unopposed last year, or this year it's you know one two three percent is normal. Occasionally you'll see spikes, and, and you'll see as high as five six seven percent of people writing in against an unopposed candidate. So I, my assumption is it's two hundred fifty people who, you know, they supported the other candidate so strongly that or they don't like me or some people are just maybe they don't know who well here's who an interesting you want some so, stats go well, ahead finish that up and well, I'll but tell you here's here's one anecdotal example that i got yesterday of of <laughs> not one i was expecting a, a buddy of mine he's since taken the post down for reasons that will become apparent quickly a, re- a buddy of mine tags me in an instagram post and says um ha ha he had taken a picture of his ballot in the ballot box which is illegal which is why he's now taken down the post is he, that illegal? Yeah. People do that all the time. It's illegal. Um, he had typed his own name in. And this is a friend of mine. This is a guy who worked a poll for me in 2017. He typed his own name in because he was like, you were on a post and I thought it'd be funny and I'd take a picture of it and make an Instagram post. And I was like, well, A, that's illegal to take a picture so of So you ballot. went after him. You were like, I will bring the full force <laughs> of the law down upon you. And I said, B, frankly, like these write-ins demonstrate disapproval. And I was like, so... Please don't do that again. He just was like, oh, I just thought it'd be funny. I I'm knew gonna it would say, matter. I'm going to give your friend a different perspective. Well done, sir. <laughs> now, what if you were to guess, I've got the precinct that had the most number of write-ins of yours. If you were to guess which one that you one. You didn't scan all 29 that quickly. Oh, I did. Dude, you don't understand data. I've got this at my fingertips. The largest precinct was 25 of them I came could, from one precinct. I can easily tell you what precinct that is. It's precinct 15. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, that's my home precinct. <laughs> I was going to say one of nine. Buddies. You got a lot of good funny buddies you have there. Well, it's also a really high turnout it precinct. Is. It is. 807 people voted for you. Um, how about 109? That was going to be my guess. Mm, no, we're done with this part now. Vi Lyle, 70,624 votes. Um, it just shows that Which literally that David people, Michael Rice, 20, who, no matter who you are, you can you, get 20% of the vote. You can get 20,000 votes in this town. Just know that. You have to be able to fog up a, a mirror 
and you can do it. Frankly, it wouldn't matter. You could put a fake name on there, and they'd have gotten 20%. Julie Eisolt, a pretty resounding um, first-place lead at the at-large votes. Um, Which is what we predicted. Yeah, I mean, we did. 5,000 vote separation. And here's the interesting thing. Pull up real quick uh, a separate window and go look at the general election results Let me results handle how we handle the, the technology. 20, I'm not... You can do it. I'm telling you what's going to be interesting. Look at the 2017 general election. It is almost an exact replica. Julie was a couple. 67,400. I don't mean the numbers. I mean the spread. The spread, Julie at the top, Braxton and Smudgy, like neck and neck. And then. Oh, yeah. It's it's the exact same spread almost. So Julie, barring any surprises, uh, will be mayor pro tem. I think that's pretty clear cut right now. Um Josh Richardson, the Republican, got 32,000, so about uh, a little less than half of what he needed to be at that bottom rung there. We think we all kind of knew that was going to happen, but he's a young guy, came out, gave it his all. That's great. Malcolm Graham, <laughs> like demolished. 80, 88% or something. Yeah, that's huge, 84%. 84. Victoria only had 102 write-ins. On a smaller uh, turnout. Must not be people as upset with her, I guess. Well, she hadn't had to take any one. votes yet. Ed Driggs, 694 right is That's 6.2%. That's material. That's yeah. material. He just had a, a pretty contentious primary, though. I think that probably is what... And uh, with the national... The, you know, the from. temperature of, on national politics, I'm sure that there are Democrats who... Matt Newton, not only 102 write-ins. Um, he uh, actually had the same exact number as Victoria. That is strange. Well, and if we're getting into the uh, specific numbers and making it a contest, I'll no. point out that uh, you got the second most votes of any district rep. Wait a minute. And I got the most. Shut up. A hundred and I got like 134 more votes than you. They've been stacking and packing your district for <laughs> years. Oh, does that hurt? That's crazy. I, I said there is nothing sweeter than. Oh, but oh, stop it. Stop. Because, yeah, I you, was running against somebody. <laughs> doesn't matter. More people voted for me. More people turned out in my in More my district. More people than you. voted for me than voted for you. Yeah. Yeah. That is a factual statement. Because they didn't it's have okay. a choice. I mean, that's, that's a factual statement. There were only eight. It's okay to be ins. second, man. Eight, it's whatever. Okay to be whatever, second. dude. Well, let's talk about what uh, we got. Matt Newton with a resounding who, victory. Who there. takes the time to write in when you're literally making a choice in a competitive race? I have to tell you, we are probably the only show out there that is analyzing the, the write-in like this. I love it. I mean, you got to be interested. Bits, we'll get Bitzer on and see what he thinks about write-ins. Why don't you, uh, I, so I don't sound arrogant, We the two things we need to talk about, um, we can talk about school board and other stuff, but like my race and then sales tax. You talk about my race, I'll tell you why you're wrong. Well, I'll tell you, it's, well, you want to do, let's do school board real quick and then we'll come because the meteor ones are, are District 6 and, and the sales tax. Mm, school true. board um, was a 13-weight race for three seats. You had two incumbents Elise leading. 12.94%. Elise, I think, was not surprisingly the top vote-getter. Jennifer she will, De La Jara. She should be the chair. Um, vice chair will be interesting to see how they play that because with new members, it might not be as, uh, might not be assumed that the second highest at-large vote-getter would be the vice chair. What a Maybe close spread between but, Lenora Ship and Stephanie, and Stephanie Sneed. Stephanie Sneed, and it went back and forth all night. Um, I mean, less than 200 votes separate them. Out of, you know, tens of thousands. 28,000. And so that was really interesting because I think that there was some thought that Elise and Jennifer would, uh, would get in there and that Elise would probably be number one. But there was kind of a big middle tier, 
and a lot of people thought that there was a three or four way race maybe for that third spot. I will tell you the thing that I think made the difference. Um, cause I think Stephanie Steed probably had a, a more robust campaign, but the only person who got both the black political caucus endorsement and the Charlotte observer endorsement was Lenora ship. Oh, so I think that was the difference maker. The only person they got both of them because Elise wow. and Jennifer and Lenora were the observer. Interesting. And then Elise and Jennifer did not get the VPC. It's crazy how many people I came upon walking into the polls that literally was like, oh, yeah, Tark, school board? what's school board? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, no clue. And um, all right. So in your race, which was billed accurately as the only competitive council race in yeah. terms of. You know, obviously, at large, there was some competition for order of I finish. I had 11,130 votes, as to your point, the second most of a district rep. Uh, my opponent had 7,766 so with only 18 write-ins. 59-41? At lunch, and... Uh, Which is a pretty I think it was when I, I had spread. lunch with Sam and Ray at the new burger place over in the Belmont neighborhood on Election Day. Mm. And I believe it was there that they somebody asked me if I was worried about you. And I said, I think he wins sixty forty. Really? Swear hand to God, I said sixty forty and it was fifty nine forty one. I, I was I was somewhat confident, but then I really start you get in your own head when you run like this, you know. Like you before your primary, you're like well, no, you were making I was fun like, of dude, me. Dude, stop it. You were making, you were like this is are we even talking but we're also we're also like Un, we all also have an unhealthy level of like competition. Yeah, right. That's true. In our personalities. But I, but I, but the thing that really freaked me out is I went. I probably have a file up in my in my desk. I went back through my old results, all this stuff here. I got it up right here, and I looked at my uh, my precincts. And even back in 2017, I was like, all right, I, I, I'm good. I look, how many precincts did she carry? Uh, I think only like four or five of my 35, um, but not by much, and they were smaller. Um, but when I looked at the Dan Bishop, Dan McCready race, Dan McCready absolutely crushed in all, I think, of the 15 or 16 that they overlap of my 35. And that's where, right when that race happened, I started looking at it in a much more serious way. And that's why I mounted like a, a pretty serious campaign. Like I, I was pretty you much took planning out 10 on... billboards the week before the election. <laughs> that's true. And, uh, and, uh, I completely saturated the airwaves with um, with ads the day of, which I think, um, again, going to the other race, the sales tax, uh, a lot of us who, again, oppose the tax and are for the arts organizations um, felt like it was a David versus Goliath situation. And, uh, you know, we put... Uh, what was that? Was that ended up being about 60-40, didn't it? Uh, yeah, it might even be worse than that. Um, let me pull that up. 63-37 or something. Let's see. It's all the way at the bottom. Um, it is. It's way down here. Paul Bailey lost. Yeah, new mayor in Matthews, John Higdon. John. That was big news. Do you know him? Uh, I served on the landmarks Historic Landmarks Commission with his wife, so I've met him a couple times. But is I he hear a good Dem? things. No, he's not. But I, I hear good. Oh, things they have about a him. Un, uh, They have a nonpartisan right mayoral right. race. Yeah. Wow, that's all. Those towns I think are nonpartisan. Really, Huntersville is getting its first. How do you know Democrat. who to vote for? Huntersville is getting its first Democrat on town council. Fifty-seven percent for seven and a half percent to forty-two and a half percent. Okay, on the sales tax, and it, it yep. lost. Um, yeah, I mean that was definitely the the big news story. I think. I mean that was huge. That was so huge. I was almost more blown really, away I, by that than my own race, to be totally honest. I didn't. I didn't know which way I was going to go, but I didn't think it would be 
what is that? Would you say a 15 point spread or something? Uh, yep. 15 I, point spread. I didn't think it would be that. I thought it'd be inside of five points. I mean, I thought it was going to be razor thin. I was, I was convinced it could go either way. I was too, but I thought it would win or lose by two or 3%. So, but I, I think my, my strategy was, and it was a risky one, but I, I put all my chips in the center and said, you know, they're spending over a million dollars on the four side of this campaign Matthew Ridenauer, as you've heard on the previous episode of this pod, um, was in charge of the opposition. He had only had about like 1200 bucks. So I came in and, and um, wanted to do my part. And I just said, I'm going to just associate myself with it and um, ride it, ride it to the finish one way or another. So does he take, I mean, we should know we're less than four weeks. I, th- I think we're almost at three weeks away from filing for the 2020 election because our primary because of the presidential year it's in march and um so this is all coming quickly does matthew ridenauer capitalize on the momentum he's got as kind of the perceived leader of the vote no uh movement and run for, to take a seat back he kind told of he told me yesterday we both went on the radio together in the in studio and he told me yesterday that he's kind of given himself 10 days to put a little time between that and the election, really reflect on it inside, and then he'll make his decision then. Because there's not much time. I mean, you no. really have to decide. Filing's now, in like right? three weeks. Yeah, so um, I, I personally think he absolutely should. The question that remains is, I think there's two forces at play. What's going to be the macro top of the house 2020 um, kind of impacts like we saw last year that were the things that um, ultimately was the wave that crashed down on Matthew? Um, that were out of his control. Um, and how is that going to happen? But also the county commission has done a lot of things locally here in that year um, that I think we just saw the beginning kind of like, you know, codified version of the community sentiment on that. They just raised taxes by two cents. They put this thing without a plan, the quarter cent sales tax on there. Um, some people are starting to mumble tone deaf. So does that help with the wave on the other side? So it's really hard to tell. Um, two, two, predictions, a bit. two predictions I will confidently make right here, uh, right now. Matthew Ridenour will, I think, undoubtedly file to take his seat back in county I agree. commission. Uh, another thing that I... Does he win or lose, though? Which, which way, of those way too, way too early to, to... But if you had to bet on what, but which here's, force but here's what I'll was. bet is, you just said, does it produce a wave on the other side? I will say with certainty there is not going to be a county commission Republican wave next year. Not, not, now, a, no, not a Republican wave. I'm saying what I'm saying is there there the other wave is more of a democrat or a progressive wave. This wave I'm talking about is the, was that a democrat wave that made the sales tax fail? Or I mean a republican right, no, it wasn't a republican gonna, wave. It was be, a wave of common sense. If there's going to be any change on county commission other than Matthew certainly would have a chance to win his seat back. Bill James isn't going to run again. Jim Puckett's probably not going to run again. Well, no, Jim is running, I think he said. But his He's running for his seat again? Yeah, I believe he said that a couple months ago. I don't know if he's sticking to it. He lost by thousands of votes. Um, Bill James is not going to try to come back, and I don't think anybody serious will mount a serious campaign against Susan Rodriguez McDowell. Matthew only lost by a thousand votes. He could win that seat back. But what you're proposing is that there could be the some, same some type inf- of wave of the but sales. But it would tax have to happen defeat. in March in a primary. The I mean the only no, why because what other potential changes are going to be on county commission? It would have to happen in a primary. Most of those seats can't be won by Republicans. Not I. I mean, it, if if this if I credit this community, this county, with 
the opposite of what the four campaign and Susan Harden and them have been saying since the election, which is it was hard. It's cards were stacked against us. The community wasn't educated. They didn't, you know, think, I think it's the opposite. I think they actually saw right through it. And they, and they, that's why Republicans and Democrats and independents came against in that way. I, I'm wondering, but it how also much didn't of them have an R this... or a D next to it. And so right. I think that when you have some, when you have an R and a D next to it, there's too many people that are, predisposed to always default to whichever one of those they prefer i i just don't see at what point does the tone deafness that the community just spoke out against um there translate to them losing faith and overriding an r or d next to it and really paying attention and not letting a wave on the other side dictate what what you know who just randomly happens to be in these county seats that's the question. I, you, I don't think be, any of us can answer that. Well, it'll be interesting question. to see if they, if any county commissioners, um, and I mean, you know, we got them on our side. It, it's not, doesn't mean you're doing a bad job. Doesn't mean anything specifically, but it'll be interesting to see how many, if any, get serious primary challenges. I, I am going to be personally doing my best to recruit some business minded, um, kind of cut from the same mold people that, that I try to operate in. Um, because whether another Republican or two might have actually won in this election or not, I think we really, my party, our side, did ourselves a real disservice by not really fielding a, a huge stable of credible business-minded candidates to at least engage in the discussion, right? Win or lose, um, it, it's, it makes for a better round of discussion. And I feel some personal responsibility. I tried my best kind of, you know, at the last minute this year to, to field some people. It didn't work. I'm definitely going to focus on having having that occur in next year's cycle at a, at a local level. So that will be coming upon us quickly. Um, but yeah, the the big story was definitely the arts tax losing and pretty handily, uh, you winning pretty handily. Um, I think everything else was not a surprise. Again, the at large pretty much ended the exact way it did in 2017. Um, in the way that I think a lot of us expected that it would. And the mayor, I mean, I, and I've said, and people were like, oh, there's no way 15 or 20% of people are going to vote for this David Michael Rice guy. But they absolutely were because there's plenty of people who just flat out didn't know who he was. And in fact, I encountered one at a poll. I was working poll for a couple of folks. And uh, this gentleman said, when I handed him a flyer for Vi, among others, I, he said, well, I'm not voting for her. I'm voting for whoever's running against her. And I said, well, I, you know, I can appreciate if you're frustrated with the mayor about something. I said, but I would encourage you to Google David Michael Rice <laughs> and learn a little about him. It won't take but about 30 seconds to probably learn all you need to know and then see if you're still comfortable voting for that gentleman. I don't think you did it, but I mean, the point is you can't, you can't look at that guy and say, that's someone I think should run our city. Look, I, so it's, I, I, it's a pro it's a flat out protest vote. No one voted for David Michael Rice besides David Michael Rice because they thought they knew anything about him. I, I will. I will again go back to what I said a second ago. Um, I take, among others, personal responsibility of allowing that to happen. The reason a political primary, party's primary, exists is to make sure that a David Michael Rice does not make it to a general. Um, and when we don't field any candidates, even though I am, 
I, you know, I, when people ask me, I said I was very pleased with Vi Lyle's two, first two years. I mean, it, I have no complaints as to how she treated me. Did did everything fall the way I wanted to? Absolutely not. But could I look back and say Vi didn't treat me right, or Vi didn't step up in a couple issues that I thought she really uh, should have and, and could have? Absolutely not. So I, I didn't feel an urge to go really recruit hard and put somebody there. But when you don't do that, you leave yourself open to you know, really making almost a laughing stock of, of that. And there's no other way to make sure that doesn't happen other with the way our, our uh, system works than to make sure you field somebody that's yeah, at least credible but to no, put it that no letter seri- beside their name. No serious candidate was going to go on the suicide mission of running against Phi. I mean, but you, that guy is not even a, a Republican. No, he's, he's not. not even he's not a, a Republican. He's not like if, he's not even a candidate. But but how do you recruit a, a serious person to run a race that they flat out know they cannot? Oh, then win? maybe all. You, but then 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 maybe. So let's say that's the case. If I was sitting on like the who, sidelines right now, here's what I would do. On, if you're willing to take one for the team, how serious are you? Here's what I would do. Right. If it let's say I I was never elected two years ago and again now. And I was sitting on the sidelines, but I was involved in politics. I was on the other side of the ticket, all that stuff. And I saw no one was going to apply on the last day. I would go apply myself. I would pay the filing fee and I would literally not raise a dime. I'd not campaign. But what I would do is I'd show up to debates and I'd make. That's called campaigning, but. Well, yeah, but you're not spending money, not raising money. All you're doing is having the conversation. You're saying, look. I don't think I'm going to win, right? I don't think I just you would think do that. We need to have this conversation. I think you are too well, yeah, I competitive. Yeah. You're I would, too you would eventually get sucked in, right? And well, your competitiveness would make you campaign. But you're also but would that be better than having a David Michael Rice on there? Yes. Yes. Absolutely, but it would. But you also, again, would have looked at it, realized it was not a winnable race, and you wouldn't want to go take an automatic loss. I don't. If I if I didn't have career politics in mind, thinking like. Oh, a loss is going to hurt me or whatever, and I was just trying to do my part. I don't even mean there are plenty of politics. I mean the fact that like you, like me, and like most of us on this hall, aren't going to sign up for something that is an absolute suicide. I don't disagree at all. All I'm saying is like if it's between because you want to win, David Michael Rice and just somebody. Like I, I would rather field some business person who literally had no intention of serving, but wanted to make sure the proper topics from the from a, a well-rounded discussion side were there. I think you'd have to do that. Because I mean, we had you know we had Brandon Pierce on this show a couple months back, and yep. he's a nice, smart, thoughtful he wor- guy. He worked hard, man. He worked hard, and he didn't even get twenty percent. Yeah, I don't that, think I think he got like eighteen percent. It was it was low. Two percent or something. It was low. I, I I told Brandon, but I mean that was a suicide mission because you and I had both talked to Brandon early on, right? And I told Brandon, um, look, it's a it, no matter what you do, the district you live in, unwinnable. At large, probably unwin- unwinnable. probably unwinnable, right? Although it might have, he might have fared a little better there. Than I mean, look, dude, the Josh Richardson. I mean, there's Brandon no, Pierce is there's a far no, more serious d- candidate. No doubt, than Josh Brandon, Brandon is, is is far more serious. No doubt that he ran a much more credible, legitimate campaign at all. But still, Wouldn't Josh Richardson gets thirty two thousand votes. You're telling me there's another twenty five thousand votes no, out there? No, I don't. I don't. I don't know that any one. any republic anybody with an R next to their name could could I mean could do that. I just don't see it. Uh, I think I think an Edwin Peacock or a Matthew Ridenour or you could be competitive. I think you still lose, but I think you could make it close. I think the way to say it is, 
David Michael Rice shows us that if you have an R next to your name, you automatically the, the get floor, twenty. The floor is you 20%. automatically get twenty thousand votes. Well, right? I think it's more of a percentage thing. I think the floor is twenty percent. In a, in an odd year with a somewhere between fifteen and twenty percent turnout, you got twenty thousand votes. Josh Richardson, when they have up to four options to give you votes, they can vote multiple times. Your floor is thirty-two thousand votes. You need upper. You need. Dimple had fifty six thousand five hundred. So you need you need you need another twenty five thousand votes to even be in consideration there. And I'm just not sure they exist for somebody with an R by their name right now. So I I, I mean I don't know, man. But the sales tax failed. <laughs> in seriousness, for our listeners, because I know there's some people out there that are probably um, um, upset and uh, and and wondering where we go. I will let you know this. And I, I didn't do it to be able to say it. I did it because I promised a lot of you that's what I was going to do. And, and I'm following up on that. Uh, I reached out to Valicia McDowell, the Arts and Science Council uh, chair. And we, when she gets back from travel, I think the week after next, we're going to have breakfast. And I told her, I, I want to come to the table proactively and let's go back to the drawing board and create that plan I was so critical on before of not existing together. And let's bring a Sam Spencer and a Ray McKinnon and a Pat Cotham and all those on the other side who fought this to the table in the hopes of saying, what pieces can we all put together so we do the right thing? We revamp what the Arts and Science Council model looks like for the future. We make sure those programs like Braxton talked about in the last program are created that touch upward mobility and housing and neighborhoods and things like that. And then we come back and, and we execute on that. And whether it's in the form of a tax increase or maybe what I might hope a reprioritization of existing funds. Um, we find some kind of compromise and get that done. There are a lot of very smart people in this community. Um, it's come together. It's figured I, out together. Right. I mean, I think that Charlotte has proven over and again that we can find innovative solutions to tough problems uh, and big challenges. And I have no doubt that the number of people who care about the arts and parks and greenways and education in this community um, that the people who are passionate about those issues will, will band together and that will not only hopefully or probably, but will hopefully include, um, people maybe who were on both sides of that vote on that sales tax, but who are still equally passionate about those particular topics. And I think that they will, they'll find a way to make it work. And so, um, you know, I, I know there are a lot of people disappointed. It was, I don't think it was. You know, for a lot of people, I don't know that it was an easy vote. I talked to a lot of people who kind of wrestled with I, these things are important to me, but I don't know if this is the right way to do it. And so it wasn't I, I didn't talk to anybody over the course of this campaign or this election season that said, I don't care about arts, parks and education. That, that wasn't a motive. That wasn't the motivator for people who voted no. But a lot of people just said, I just don't know if this is the right way to do it. And they they didn't feel like they had the clarity they needed or they didn't feel like um the certainty in their in their own minds that this was the best path forward and so they they said well not this way at least not now i uh in closing out on this topic uh, uh in hindsight the win felt great uh it's been a while since a lot of us from that perspective at least in that approach felt like we've gotten a win locally like that but um the most favorite part for me was collaborating. I hope we figure out a way to not let this die and this become the memory of remember that time we collaborated across aisles with just unlikely coalitions, like towards the end, the text chains 
uh, with different folks to ping them and, you know, look at data this way or that way. What could we do? Printing out flyers and bringing them to me at the polls. Like, it's just, it is so refreshing to be able to do something like that. Um, and, and, you know, while you and I do that frequently, um, because the, I think the podcast was the catalyst that made us do that over the last two years. Um, I don't, you know, I don't really get an opportunity, um, with folks not on this council, just people in the community on different sides of the aisle to do that. And I really, really enjoyed it. So with that, I do want to make one other plug, if you don't mind. Um, the FinTech Hub, or get a little organization that I'm involved in, um, has a couple more days through next Tuesday. Um, we've extended it. We've got our hackathon and we've opened it up to anybody, whether you're in college, you're a professional, whether you're a technical developer, or you just have an idea. Um, it's called Fix 50 Out of 50 Through FinTech. Um, you can go to carolinafintechhub.org slash fix50 or just the carolinafintechhub.org and apply. Um, and what we're trying to do is um, anyone can come up with an idea uh, to, uh, to say we could use technology or particularly FinTech fin technology to make a difference in that. And the winner, we're going to choose the winner um, who's going to get $10,000 prize for it. And maybe we'll institutionalize and, uh, and create the, uh, the model to make the difference of your thing. So please apply. Any, uh, anyone is good enough to come up with the idea. And if it's good enough, um, we're going to pair you up with developers and technical talent. If, you don't, if that isn't what you do or you don't have friends already that way, that'll help build a demoable um, uh, version of your idea. And we've been looking at the uh, application so far. People are submitting amazing things. Here's just one example. There is a city employee, CDOT bus driver. And she submitted an idea saying, I drive a, bu a bus, or no, CATS bus driver, I'm sorry. Um, I drive a bus and I see like with the people with these long bus trips to get to work and everything have this problem, which we know is part 90 minute average bus drive trips to get to where you're going in town if you have to rely on that. It would be, and she described this, I'm not going to give away her concept, but she described like, it would be great if there was a piece of technology or app that helped you connect a few different things to make that ride quicker or to get to places you need to go. That's freaking amazing. Like that's one example. And there are many others that we're already starting to see. So this could be a big deal and become a big annual thing for us. So please apply. Well, the $10,000 we presented is like a giant happy Gilmore style check. I will now do that because you've said it. Glad I could contribute. Well done. What's your idea, Larkin? That was my idea. Oh, okay. Then you did not make the finals. <laughs> um, all right. So that was uh that was episode eighty one. I'm tired. And like I said, I'll be out of uh headed to Germany next week to represent the city uh, on an exchange with the American Council on Germany. I will note that it is not being paid for with tax dollars, uh, before anyone asks. And um, so we won't have an episode next week. Y'all have got a strategy session on Tuesday because of the Monday holiday. Don't end up in any German jails, bro. I will try not to. Um, the following week, we've got a rezoning meeting, including the big uh, giant TOD rezoning. So that'll be interesting. Todd. And then one more business meeting at the end of November before a December 2nd swearing in of the new council. Mm. And the beginning of season two of R&D in the QC. What council member will you miss most? Vips. Uh, I will miss different things about all of them. Uh, I mean, I Justin, Justin's my uh, my closest friend of the three. Um, I've known Lawana the longest of the three. 
And I mean, I, you know, I consider them about all, FIPS? I, well, I mean, what I will miss about Greg is Fips like, sits next to me behind the dice and I'm going to tell you, he's all, sneaky, funny, all of his like irreverent humor can sometimes be, can sometimes be cringeworthy and, um, longer than it needs to be, but it is it. funny. Oh, it's hilarious. And sometimes he means to be funny and sometimes he doesn't. And that's why he's funny. One day, uh, my favorite, he slips a piece of paper over to me on behind the dice and I look down and he's like, look at this. I look down at it. It's like the case for gentrification. <laughs> That's the kind of FIP stuff he does, man. That seems like a joke he wouldn't have wanted you to share. No, he's very. Anyone can ask him about uh. his, his view on gentrification. It's a, it's it's a, it's actually a, it's a compelling argument he makes. Maybe we should do. Um, we need to let the the final exit interviews each, each one exit interview to share. We need to we need to uh, institutionalize and codify. Their exit interview. Maybe for yeah, we've for got the, three for weeks the, for the library of, of city council. We've got three weeks. Maybe the week of the swearing in, since after the swearing in, we'll be with our family. We probably won't want to come up here and do an episode. Maybe before the swearing in, we could do the we exit do one interviews with, with all, all three, three of them back to back. I like it. Uh, so we'll we'll try to do that or, before December second. Or or do we do a live episode with all of them at once, where we invite people to come? And that let sounds them, unwieldy. But uh, we said we we're going to push the envelope and do more stuff. <laughs> like a roast. A uh, roast. A live pod roast. That way they can play off each other, kind of have that last moment of being important here's before what, they float off into the sunset. Here's what we do. We'll do exit interviews, I think, individually because too many people is confusing. And then we'll go around to each uh, council member who's coming back and we'll let them say something about each one of the departing members We'll collate the funniest things that are said, and we'll include that as part of the episode. Or a favorite memory of each departing council member. I'm sorry, what'd you say? We'll have each <laughs> of the council members who are staying tell us their favorite memories or stories or whatever funny thing they want to share about the departing council members. Yes, and then we play it for them on the live show. Like reading mean tweets. Ooh. We'll, we'll, we'll work. No, no. We'll, at the live show, People we'll are say, tired of listening here's to the quote. Over- here's the quote. Who said it? We can talk about this off the air. I say we stay on the air and talk more about it now, Larkin. I say we don't. That's been episode 81. We appreciate you listening. Thanks for getting out and voting last week. The podcast lives on season two coming soon. Season two. But season one's not over yet. It's not. um, Hang in there for two more episodes. Hang in there, kitty. Actually, I guess the exit interviews will be the last episode of season one. We should keep talking it out more then right here. (laughs) I agree. Like, share, post, but more importantly, go to lotcarolinas.com, vote for us, donate to the cause, specifically to our fundraising Yeah, don't give it to the other teams. Remember, uh, we need it on our team. And if you're available on next Saturday, buy a ticket and come out and watch us perform this musical number that we will have practiced a grand total of one time. I hope you're back from Germany in time and to join me up I land two hours before we're supposed to be on stage, so it can only go well. Mm, it's a bad idea. All right, well, we'll talk to you when we talk to you. All right, it's closing time. Come win it now!